Welcome everyone back to Night Court, our between game editions of the large podcast. Welcome everyone, I'm Rob Fisher, Grizzlies TV host, sideline reporter, Brevin Knight alongside as well, Grizzlies analyst, former NBA stud for 12 years, and uh, we are talking NBA playoffs, Grizzlies series, and what a game we have to talk about and uh, what a game we have coming up in game four. And since it worked in game three, Eric Hasseltine, voice of the Grizzlies, joining us again. How are you, man? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. All right, Brevin, uh, explain it. What happened? Some things you can't explain. <laughs> and I think this this was one of them. Usually you talk about comebacks from one 20-point deficit is, is a great comeback. To have to do it twice within a, within a game is, is magical. And so I... I it kind of just keeps with the theme of the season. We said there's something special that's going on with this Grizzlies team, and, and, and last night just continues to solidify that. I think that's the best way to explain what happened in Game 3. It's just sometimes in special seasons, there are special moments. Uh, there are breaks that go your way. You pull one out. You steal one that you shouldn't. And, uh, and those are games that you'll remember on the journey uh, when it's all said and done. Because, you know, I, I'm even thinking about writing the tease for game four or opening up the pregame show for game four. And it's not like you can say, wow, Desmond Bain went for 50 and brought the Grizzlies back. Or Brandon Clark came off the bench and scored 30 and brought the Grizzlies back. There's no one individual that you can say that's what changed the game around. It just... The game just changed around, and it was everybody getting involved. Yeah, that that that's what was that's what was cool about it was it was adjustments. It was I mean Taylor was pushing buttons, trying different lineups, different situations, and one clicked. And 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 when it clicked, it just continued to click. And the the other thing that happened was uh, Minnesota kind of aided in it and by, by not stopping it with any timeouts. Uh, but I think the Tyus Jones, Ja Morant backcourt was was huge at the moment because it allowed Ja to play from a different area on the floor. Didn't mm -hmm. have to try to play through as many bodies. Uh, and they moved the ball really well. Latter part of the third quarter into the fourth. You had a night to sleep on it, Eric. When you woke up, I mean, what... Did you have any answers? No, I didn't even know where I was when I woke up. It was such a crazy night. No, um... I agree with Brevin. I think that the not calling a timeout was was kind of weird, for sure. Um, I think I I tend to believe Chris Finch is a good coach, so I know Charles Barkley vehemently disagreed last night, but I I just felt like they kind of got to the mode that the Grizzlies were in to start the game, where they came in maybe a little complacent, feeling like we got this, we're going to come in, we we've, we've fixed the issue, and now we're we're in good in a good place. I said on our broadcast with about three and a half minutes to go in the third, okay, look, win these last three and a half minutes, I think it was like 22 at the time, win these last three and a half minutes, get the ball to start the fourth, try to put some pressure on them to get it down to around 10, 12 with 10 minutes to go and see if you can make a run from there and keep just kind of keeping the pressure on. And I know Brevin and I talked at breakfast today and he was saying, hey, get to within five by the five-minute mark. And I had said kind of similar around the six-minute mark. If you get it there and you're playing a two-possession game in the final half of that quarter, let's see how the foul trouble dictates it. Let's see what happens. And I think their three bigs 
getting in foul trouble gave the Grizzlies the green light to attack, thinking these guys don't want to foul out, especially Towns. And Vanderbilt picks up his fifth, and he can't be quite as aggressive on the offensive glass. And then I, I got a little nervous when Towns walked into that 20-footer with about three minutes left and cut it to three. I'm like, don't get this guy going now. He's been quiet all night. Mm-hmm. Well, they just had the answer. That three Tyus hit over Jaden McDaniels was huge. And then Dylan had a tough shooting night, but buries a 28-footer to just ice it. Yeah, and that was the moment. That was the first moment that I thought, wow, we can win this game, which was unbelievable. But, Brevin, yeah, at the beginning of the quarter, Jaron knocks down a three, and you start talking about, okay, let's get Jaron going for game four, uh, get into a bit of a rhythm. And then you paused for a second, and then after that pause, you said, Although this one's not over yet. And, and and you're right. Eric said it. You said let's get it to five within the five-minute mark. You were within five with 930 to go in the right. game. It happened so fast. That, that was the crazy part was how quickly it happened. Yeah. And then to see where we were with five minutes. and, and We were can, up five. Exactly. <laughs> you, you, can, you can see that it had uh, – it really deflated the Timberwolves. And then even when you hear some of the comments after the games, it, it is – It'll be a team that if the Grizzlies can come out in the first quarter and throw a big punch, that it, they could go away after that first quarter. But but it's just been it's been solid basketball throughout. This was of course this this was an anomaly, but the things that they did well to win Game Two, they finally did in Game Three, which was no uh, effect on the game from the bench. They only allowed one star to be really good. They didn't allow two stars right. to go off in this basketball game. And so because of that, they still were able to get offensive rebounds. They won the three-point shoot. We say three-point shooting just don't lose by more than three or four. They won in that area. So all the things that they needed to do to change the game, they, they did it. And, and if they could just do that for a longer stretch – we don't have to worry about these type of comebacks. Normally, after the first two games, we thought, all right, you know, when you make adjustments, it's usually when you're on the losing end. After that sort of game last right. night, are there adjustments to be made for both teams coming into game four? I think so. I think that the way they started, you can't start being a three-happy team. That's not how this team gets their threes, by hunting threes. They get them by attacking the interior. You saw... In that last 15 minutes, the rebounding numbers just dramatically shifted in favor of the Grizzlies, where they won the rebounding battle by eight. A lot of that was Brandon Clark's activity, Xavier Tillman's activity, protecting the rim. Um, they got to stop trying to drive into traffic and then hoping to get a whistle or something at, at times, which they did. And they, they stopped doing that, and they started going back to who they were and um, or who they've been all season long when they're successful. And I, I just thought that was terrific. I still think you can get even better. You didn't get a lot from DeAnthony Melton last night, almost nothing. And I thought it was interesting in the first half, Tyus Jones only played five minutes. Mm -hmm. And then he was such an impact in the second half. So, I mean, again, it's a game of chess. You're playing the same team. We talked about this in the last show. You're not playing a team on a Thursday night, getting on a plane and going to Denver or Oklahoma City or Utah or another NBA city where you're going to readjust the game plan. Now they're going to pour over this film. And I was really surprised, and tell me if I'm crazy on this, either one of you, you see those leads, and you start making the comeback, and you get to a point, and you're climbing up that hill, climbing up that hill, and you just run out of gas. Coaches yep. will leave lineups in for longer stretches. They run out of gas, and all of a sudden, you're within five or you're within three, and you need one basket. You maybe get one or two chances at it. I thought when they went to halftime and they cut it to seven and actually had a chance to cut it even deeper, I was like, okay, now you can actually recharge, talk about what went wrong in the first quarter, 
build on what went right in the second and come out in the third and just hammer. It just went the exact opposite, opposite way. Yeah. And you're like, oh, man, maybe they did run out of gas. And then, again, they they fought through the adversity, finished strong in the third. And to me, one of the biggest things that has not really been talked about a ton in this entire season is their ability at the end of quarters to manage the clock, to get the two-for-one when you have the possession the next quarter. And a lot of times, because of Steven Adams' prowess, with the jump ball, it is at the end of the third and into the fourth where they manage it and you essentially get three possessions for one. And I even remember saying that, hey, look, you can score six, seven, eight, probably not nine. You're going to have a two in there and build on that and kind of take that momentum. And now your opponent's looking, wait a minute, we were just up by 20 and now we're only up by 13. Mm-hmm. And that, that happened like that. And so the pressure comes, all right, we need to make a play. I thought one of the biggest plays was Ja missing two free throws. Uh, loose ball foul on Vanderbilt on Clark. He gets the two free throws and makes them both. And you, if you flip-flop that, I would have expected Clark to be the one who maybe misses two. Right. Ja comes crashing in. Somebody fouls him. He gets two free throws, gets the two points you should have had, and puts another foul on a guy who's been active all night long. But it was the opposite. And I think that's why, for me, Brandon Clark, as good as Desmond Bain was with the franchise record for threes in a playoff game, Brandon Clark was the X factor and the, and the player of the game for the Grizzlies last yeah. night. Uh, Brevin, what adjustments? How, how, what do you what do you look at and say? Okay, we because you played two awful quarters, two half the game. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, I don't know if it's as much. Uh, the only adjustment I would say is within their half court offense, move more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like too much. I think we got too many possessions where it was. Uh, too stagnant, and we start to be more one on one. And and I think their their strengths are when they're playing together. That that creates lanes for them to drive and and, and kick. And so I think if, if anything, I would say once they get into their half court sets, just have a little bit more motion. Um, outside of that, it's like you said, it's it's being able to be consistently good for the longer stretch again. Like in game two, they were good for the longest stretch. That's why they were able to, to have it be a blowout. And game three, there were stretches where they were good. And in those stretches, they dominated. Yeah. And so I, I think that's the biggest thing is just coming out to having, number one, a better start. Uh, and then off of that start, their pace usually gets created like that. Like they have to still play with a level of, of getting the ball to the floor. That's why I said the, in the playoffs, I thought this was going to be different playoffs than we've ever seen in terms of how fast it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Because the only way that a lot of these teams are good and can be successful is by being fast. Multiple and so, possessions. And so that's that's what that's what we've been able to see from 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 them and I so I think that that's that's the only thing is is consistency at the end of the day uh and playing with a little bit more force spacing and moving on offense. So you don't want to see a 12-0 run to start the game for the opponent. That's not It's not exactly how you draw it up in the locker room. Hey, no. let's go out and fall behind by 12 and see what happens. Right. And then we'll turn it on. Yeah. No, that, that, that won't work for the for, for the, the long haul. Probably not a strategy you want to employ if you're out there as no. a coach. For, for Minnesota, there has to be a level of deflation after that game. Yeah, How hard for a team that hasn't been in this position, they haven't been in the playoffs, to rebound from a game like that? Well, I, I think a little bit is they're still the underdog. They're still the yeah. seventh seed. Now, the reason why anything changed is because 
we talked about how hard of a matchup it could be, what the problems that they pose. They won game one in the fashion that they did. So some of the the uh, storylines may have changed, but at the end of the day, we're still the underdog. That's if I'm the Timberwolves. Yeah. So, okay, they, they won, but we still won one. We showed that we can win. I would have the mindset, let's go back and do it again. And, and I think that's where the Patrick Beverly's come along. It's where the Elston Turners, guys that have been there before as their assistant coach, that's where they come into play to try to keep those guys on a high and keep them together because they talk about their synergy in the locker room has been something that they, they have been able to build on. And so this will be one of those tests to see how tight-knit they are. And, 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 and at the end of the day, they have also a blueprint to say what works for us against them. Can we do this long? I think if I'm if I'm trying to get a message to the Timberwolves, it would be we've played 12 quarters and we've been the better team for six. So we're right there. That 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 would seem to me that that's that's what I want to get in the players' heads of hey we 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 can still do this. You know we still have another game at home, and frankly for half of the series, we've dominated. Right. So I don't know. I I, I it'll be interesting to see. But I think I think when you have team though that can be deflated like that, you could take them out pretty they, quickly. They sounded pretty deflated. I mean I don't I'm not sure if you heard. The, the post-game comments from Carl Anthony Towns where he just basically went, next question, and then I'm just going to go home. And drink some drink wine. Drink some wine. Yeah. And, and I'm like, yo, dude, like, Barkley, I thought, was like, you're a number one pick. You're an all-star. You're supposed to be a leader of this team, and you're talking about next question, like not wanting to talk about stuff. What is that locker room like right now? Mm-hmm. And what is that locker room right, like right now where Patrick Beverly in the first five – granted, he went right at John Morant and – Drove it in the lane and got a couple of buckets, and he's given the he's too small thing. Mm-hmm. And then he gets eight points, and then towards the end of the game, you're like, all right, well, if you're going to drive to the basket, just shoot threes, and if you beat us, if that beats you, it's the old pick your poison. If that's the guy that beats you, they earned it. Right. And he didn't. And now the question becomes, I'm sure he has enough leadership in that locker room to step back and say, hey, I miss shots, my bad. We've got to play better. We've got to do X, Y, and Z. I've done this before. And that's the guy, you know, they, they need to turn to, whether people like him or not. He's been there. He's one of the few guys on that roster that has. But at the end of the day, I go back to this. It's a dangerous team that could beat the Grizzlies, but they're not better than the Grizzlies. Right. And a huge reason why they're not better is John Morant and Tyus Jones is the biggest reason why. Because what happened in the Minnesota game is, if I'm the point guard for the Minnesota Timberwolves, I have to make sure that Carl Anthony Towns is a part of the game if we want to win. They don't have people that make sure that somebody does whatever they need to do to be better. It's still an individual-driven team. Individually, if this guy has it going, keep going. We keep giving it to you. Mm-hmm. Now, if you got it going good, now I can pass to you. Okay, now maybe you make sure. So a little bit of it is they have. they just have to learn how do I make sure that my other guys – get what they're supposed to get, but who's the person to do that? They don't have a pure director. I mean, you you, you mentioned it to me at the end of the game last night. I, I was like, what just happened? And one of your answers was, they don't have a point guard. Well, that's in, uh, they really don't. In yeah. terms of somebody that, that also thinks the game. Right. In, in terms, Playmaker. Yeah, D'Angelo Russell is a fantastic player. Patrick Bradley, great, is a, good, is a good basketball player. But in terms of being able to put guys in position, what's the game, the situation, I don't know if they have that. 
to this point to this level mm-hmm. to win playoff games yet. All right. Uh, this was the this was the the big question prior to Game Three, and I think it's a valid question going into Game Four. You, you take Stephen Adams out of the lineup. You start Kyle Anderson. You fall behind twelve nothing. You get stomped in the first quarter. You start the second half with Brandon Clark in that position. You get stomped in the third quarter. Um, who who starts <laughs> who starts game four? I mean, what what's 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 your op? Or do you look at Kyle it and say Anderson. Kyle Anderson worked because Carl Anthony Towns didn't do anything on us? Honestly, you go right back to what you how you started this game. I mean, if you want to do Kyle or Brand, see, I like Kyle because I I really think that to get Brandon jump started and what makes him best is when he plays with Tyus. Right. So I would start Kyle. Yeah. To have him out there, Kyle's used to starting. That's fine. Let Brandon continue to come off the bench and be in that bench unit, but then he bleeds into the starters. Because we've done a good job of mixing the starters in with the bench guys mm-hmm. and the match the matchups of who those people are. And so I, I, I would go back the same way that they started game three with Kyle Anderson playing at the four. I, uh, I was already in the third quarter last night to start that post game show and tell y'all how how y'all were wrong that we messed with the game. Yeah. We messed with the game. We 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 changed our lineup. I, I mean, what were we doing? What were we doing? And then the Grizzlies ended up winning the game and it kind of took away everything that I had planned. <laughs> but <laughs> but I think it's interesting because you did try two different things and frankly they it you, you got blown out of the building uh right after the that moment. So who who do you think is it back to Kyle again? I think so, but he's got to have more of an emphasis on making sure Jared Vanderbilt doesn't impact the game the way he did in the opening moments of each, the first and the third quarter, because his energy, it wasn't Towns, it wasn't Edwards, it was a little bit of Beverly, and it was Russell getting his best game going, but it was Vanderbilt. And he didn't shoot it particularly well because he got in the trees and missed, but he got to the free throw line, he got a double-double, and he looked like a guy that, he's that X-factor guy that steps up and makes a play that energizes the team, and you saw them just picking him up. And when he hit the deck and hit his head on Brandon's knee falling down, he went down. Like, they were – you could see that their players were, like, legit concerned. Like, we can't lose this dude right now. Mm-hmm. He's, this is a guy that is, is giving us this spark. But, man, I, I just – again, you've got to be prepared for them to come out. And you can't just settle for threes. I mean, the first possession, you win the opening tap. You take a three. You miss. They get a single. You you end up making a three finally at 12 nothing, And that was – Maybe the toughest shot of all the ones they took to open the ball game was Bain in that corner. It's like, okay, if you find the threes in the rhythm of the offense, they're going to be there. You don't have to go looking for them, but keep going inside. And I think maybe they got a little away from that because of that. And we talked about it, the 3-2 like hybrid zone where they match up, they switch, and then they take you man-to-man if you go. But they just shell it up around the perimeter, and it's not really man-to-man until you get the ball in your hand. And the Grizzlies, I, I agree with you 100%. The offense was stagnant in the first quarter and the third quarter standing around. There was two plays where I counted one Timberwolf defender could have guarded any one of three guys standing near each other. And when you do that and give two other guys the opportunity to just roam and close down like the paint, that's a problem. So yeah. you've got to keep moving. You've got to not just get into, I'm going to watch this guy go make a play and I'm just going to stand here and be ready in case he throws me the ball. you got to make yourself available mm-hmm. more so than I thought they did in the first and third quarter. I um I wasn't impressed with the electricity in the building. Oh, I was. Were you? 
you know, I had to tell a fan to pipe down because he was screaming BS <laughs> into the microphone. Partially our fault because both of our microphones were pointed that direction. So people that don't know when you wear a headset, not a good thing to have both microphones for the announcers pointing the same way because it picks up everything that direction. Right. And a guy, for, oh, you can hear him screaming, and I'm looking at our engineer going, yo, why why am I hearing this guy from 10 feet away? Well, he got up and got even closer and started going at the referees. Oh, oh, yeah. And I'm like, I finally just lift it because you your microphone goes up like at a 90 degree angle it cuts off right. the microphone. I look over and I go yo tone it down <laughs> and so now I'm accused of cussing him out I'm on a radio show in Minnesota they know the guy and I'm like hey I even went over to the guy and say I'm not trying to be a jerk but like I'm not taking a fine from the FCC because you don't know how to like not cuss like 57 times in 10 seconds so like just be respectful that we're working too man have fun enjoy the game but then he comes back in, in the middle of the broadcast, types Michael on the shoulder and goes, so, sir, when would it be okay for me to cuss at the officials? And I'm just like, yo, dude, we already fixed the problem. Knock yourself out. Go hand. Get kicked out for all I care. What did you think of the, uh, of the electricity in the building? Uh, I, 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 I think some of it is, is forced. Like, I don't know how many times they get on a ladder and, and go up and do their right. thing on the ladders, try to be like us. They... Yeah. And, and, oh, and, I heard a hot rumor about that. By the way, when you finish, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and so it, it was. It was cool. It wasn't as it wasn't as loud as when I watched the Clippers game. No, it wasn't, that, and that also could be because we have our headsets on, so I don't. I'm not able to hear as right. much. Um, They're really loud when they make baskets, but it was like they weren't deafening when we had. They didn't get behind them, I thought, to give them a spark as the run was happening. They didn't like you watch the crowd at FedEx Forum a lot of times. And granted, fans are fans, and and you get deflated, and it's natural. I understand that. But you see, in at home games this year, when the Grizzlies have had some struggles, you see fans start to rise up and go, "Okay, let's get some energy going for you guys," and they feed off of that now. Um, I did that. I love. There was a guy, and you missed it. You, I, I don't know where you were, but I was walking up to the perch, and I was talking to Sherry Hensley, who comes with her husband Mick to a lot of road games. And this guy walked by. He was very polite. He's like, "Hey, game two was great, but it ain't gonna happen today for you guys." Like he was cool. But then Tyus comes out. You know, he's a Minnesota native. I saw his brother in the stands. His family was right down below us. And this guy, just, I could just see you being this guy at a game. Not today, Jones. It's not today. Today is not your day. You're not going to do anything. And I'm like, at the end of the game, I'm like, where is that dude? I was yeah. like, yes, it was today, big fella. What do you think now? <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was weird that when Tyus touched the ball, they booed. I thought that was uncalled for. They booed Ja, too. Well, they booed Ja like the Grizzlies fans were booing Beverly, but there was really no reason for that. I, it was That was weird. I, I mean, I don't, I but the booing them. of Tyus, it's like, come on, this is one of your homegrown hey, guys. They're, they're that's Wrong. The radio show I was on today that's on 9 to noon on uh, K-Fan here, which is a big-time show, Paul Allen, who does Vikings games, they were talking about that. Those guys were, like, upset. They were like, yo, that's one of our own. Yeah, that was he, weird. Like, it wasn't like he didn't want to be here. It wasn't like he left in under bad terms. He got money to go somewhere else, and the Wolves didn't want to pay him that money. Yeah. So and, and he then, didn't play for the Wolves, though. Why am I going to cheer for him? Yeah, but I'm not going to boo him. Yeah, you get booed. We get pebble chip. When you come back in the summertime and you come back home and you walk around, back. we all love you. Hey, Tyus, we love you. Yeah, sorry great we to see you. you. Yeah. No, I'm not going to say yeah, sorry. Part, but I get it. They booed your was, ass. You play for the other team, boo your ass. I boo it, you. I thought it was dumb. And I thought it was dumb that when Beverly was at the free throw line, they were chanting MVP. I mean, that was no, just no, that, no, that was dumb. 
People are just stupid as that team. They, they did they did that for Jordan Poole in San Francisco. That's the big thing. Now, a guy has a big game. All of a sudden, he's the MVP yeah. of the game. Maybe they just mean MVP of the game. Of the game. Yeah. MVP of the game. Yeah. MVP of the game. That's what this is Yeah. Uh, yeah, but, they were, the hot rumor was if they had us down late, uh, the, the inside of like five minutes, and it was by double digits, they were going to play whoop that trick yeah, in the arena. The DJ said that at the end of the third quarter, I heard. Now that would have been. That, that guy, by the way, that guy's no that. Mike T. That's all I know. I, I, I looked around, and you know, you hear every arena goes, we got the best fans, the best DJ. And I watched their guy get up, and he was talking and yelling. I was coming out to dinner, and I'm like, Yo, man, like, take some lessons from Mike T. <laughs> this, this well, is I was sitting by the DJ, and if Whoop That Trick would have started, we may have had a problem. <laughs> You'd have been like, Oh, and I'm the one who gets in trouble in games, right? I'm the one who gets in trouble. You don't know what you, y'all may not remember this, but in House Party, they have, they have a scene where he keeps, Martin Lawrence is the DJ, and they keep bumping the table. And he had to keep telling the dude, Yo, don't bump the table. And so that would have to be you. You had to be the dude. You had to bump the table. Yep, I certainly would do that. That would that would have that would have cut me deep. If all of a sudden they start playing whoop that trip. Uh uh-uh. uh, that's our thing. That is our it thing. It was a dejected group. Afterwards, after the ball game, we were out with some friends at our at our favorite place in town, the Loon. And this fan, it was two fathers and like three or four sons, and they were there because I think it's it's not twenty one and over or whatever. And you could see the kids just want to go home. And this guy sits down at the Grizzlies table, starts analyzing the game. These poor kids are just sitting there. And there's the replay. I want to go, hey, yo, watch look, watch the game. Well, it sucked because the replay came on in the bar, and it was the first quarter. And I was like, I don't even want to watch this. This yeah. is terrible. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> all right, so uh, so game four. What do we uh, what do we expect? What do, what do we think? Grizzlies put them away and come home with a, a chance to, to wrap it up? I like to believe that professional athletes have a lot of pride and they're the most competitive people on the planet, which they are. So I got to think they come out with some sort of fire and know that, I mean, this is what we said. If the Grizzlies take game three, it puts all the pressure squarely on Minnesota. And you're sitting around till nine o'clock and you're listening all day. I mean, the front page of the paper, and I know these things called newspapers that you talked about, about your date with Mo whatever Landry, yeah. Landry that by the way would have put you at 25 going to high school prom yeah I need to correct that I didn't go to prom when that article came out because that would I would have been 25 years old yeah that, yeah, been, yeah, that was a little creepy there yeah. guy no, when you no. were saying that Brevin and I look at each other then I did the math I'm like no, I went to prom anyway, 10 years earlier front than, page, not 10 but like 8 and I know not many people get newspapers like they used to but front page of the paper today had this picture of the fans of the wolves and you Man, it looked like they were at like a wake. It didn't look like they were at a game. They were all sad and all. Ken Years picture the Grizzlies like celebrate. Mm-hmm. Guy just clearly in his Carl Anthony Towns jersey, just like, <sighs> sad. They're yeah. sad people. Yeah. So I, I think the, the, the I wonder what the crowd's going to be like because I heard people last night saying, "Well, I'm not going now. I'm not going to go." Nine o'clock and spend my night till midnight to watch these guys dump another game. I'm like, all right, cool, we'll take your tickets. Well, I think the crowd will be like the Grizzlies crowd in game two. You're going to go in and be like, oh yeah, I'm confident we can tie this up. But then when the game starts, you got that pit in your stomach, like, oh no, yeah, can we win this the, one? Can we do this? The thing is, if you're the Wolves, you're only down two one. Like, right. Yeah. Like if you lost, you're kind of where you're supposed you, to be. If you yeah, lost it's by on one, serve right now. Yeah, yeah. If you lost by one, or if you had this mass, they had the massive comeback. It's still just two one. Yeah. To me, though, I, I said the Grizzlies in six. But I also, I, once the series started shaking, I said if the Grizzlies win game three, then I think the Grizzlies win in five. So I'm going, I'm going to go with my, my 
what do they call it? My uh, adjusted uh-huh. prognostication. And say that they, the Grizzlies are going to win tomorrow. And a lot of it's because I think the Grizzlies are, are just better than I think we're just, just better, we're just team. better than the Timberwolves. Top yeah. And and that that they're and there's no knock on them. I think that they're a great team. They're up and coming. They're gonna do. I think at this point we are a more cohesive unit when we're at our best than they are. Mm-hmm. And 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 because of, I thought Game Three was gonna be the game that they would go out and do what they did. Like just they were gonna come out barn burners. And, and, and it's the first time they're playing a playoff game in this building in however long, the third game in 18 years, whatever all of those numbers are. These people are going, they're going to give them what they needed to win. And then we would win game four. And then we would go win game five. And then we had to come back here and we win game six. That's mm-hmm. what I thought. But now that we won game three, I, 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 don't, see, I don't see them winning another game. Mmm. Well, that would be fantastic. Grizzlies and the Timberwolves game for 9 o'clock start on Saturday night. Grizzlies Live gets underway at 8.30 on Bally Sports Southeast. Uh, Eric on the radio call. Jessica will get things started at 8.30 with the pregame show. Uh, and you'll have all the action. You'll have a conversation with Coach on the pregame show and yep. join that for a little bit. And then... Uh, the tip comes your way at nine o'clock. What do you do all afternoon tomorrow, fellas? This is this is weird routine for us. This nine o'clock stuff's crazy. Match over in England might be on before we Man. get to go, and then you got uh, Twins baseball at three o'clock. Yeah, I could do both if we really yeah, wanted our, to. Our good I mean, friend uh, Andy Fletcher, the uh, Memphis area major league umpire. So yeah. if y'all want to come, I'll, I'll I think my nap got about two hours longer. That's yeah. the way I look at it. Yeah, I, I, two I, hours I, longer? Why don't you think? How are you going to wake up? Yeah, it'll be weird. Yeah, so right. I think it's just going to be an off day. All right, Rip Van Winkle. <laughs> nice. <laughs> off day. Well, there's playoff basketball on all day long. That's true. So you can go watch and just sit and chill and enjoy the other Oh, that's games. right. Today is tomorrow, Saturday. Yeah. 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 So this should be a game somewhere around noon or one. Yeah, noon, we'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. We'll figure We're it out. last game of the night. So, yeah, it'll, it should be fun. All right. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to game four, nine o'clock start in Minneapolis, and then game five back in Memphis on Tuesday, 6.30 for that one. As the Grizzlies, uh, maybe, we'll have a chance to wrap things up uh, in this series with the T-Wolves. That's going to do it for us. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you again. After game four, we'll get you set for game five. Thank you, Eric. We appreciate it, man. Thanks, hey. Fish. Thanks, BK. All right, for BK, for Eric, I'm Fish. Thanks for tuning in to Night Court. We'll talk to you again real soon. Peace.